Welcome to another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Misha. And today we're going to be talking about the fifth episode of season three of Westworld titled Genre. And um, this episode, um, to me, just right off the right off the bat, mirrored season one pretty heavily for me. Um, we'll get into that. You mean some of the visual elements mirrored season one? Um, actually, some of what's happening in the plot hmm. um, mirrored it for me in terms of you know setting people free from their loops and getting them out of their roles that they're destined to play and kind of making them aware of that and that was a big thing in season one and you kind of see that being reversed and shown here in season three sure yeah i think that kind of um motif of people a being in loops and b being freed from those loops um was probably intentionally played out Mm -hmm. um but yeah i really enjoyed this episode um Initial thoughts, even though you fell asleep halfway through? <laughs> yeah, so I did fall asleep, I admit. Not due to the quality of the show, just poor sleep scheduling on my part. Um, mm-hmm. The whole quarantine and stuff. Um, so, yeah, so initially, not only, you know, we got to find out what Dolores's plan is. We got to like see her actually enact her plan. Yeah. And, and I would say we got a pretty awesome visual treat as well through this episode. And of course we get mm. more of that or- origin story for Sorak and for Rehoboam. But, um, it seems like each episode kind of like, how do I explain? There's like a narrative that's going on of course through the season, but there's also a B plot that's in like every other episode. So like last, last episode I had questions about Maeve and I had questions about William. And of course those weren't answered this episode, but they, I'm sure they'll be addressed next time. They kind of alternate between these A and B plots and maybe even a C plot, um, every other episode. Yeah. Do you want to kind of address those? Yeah. So that maybe you mm -hmm. felt were missing after three or four. Yeah, so for me, um, the one thing is we saw Maeve get sliced and diced by, um, what's it? I can never remember his name. Yeah, Samurai Dolores. (laughs) And the last we saw of her, she was, you know, left on the ground, bleeding out. Um, And it seemed odd that they would just, like, Maeve's not gone, right? They just, Mm -hmm. they just, um, I don't know why they would just act like she was dead. Um, But it's interesting to see how things will and could change or how Mm -hmm. this could change things potentially. Um, Again, this kind of, I talked about last time how I think it's a possibility that Maeve could just be running a bunch of um, sequences, a bunch of different scenarios. Yeah. Simulations. Um, you know, Dolores controlling the samurai guy kind of throws a wrench into that. But you know, that, that white goo that we saw her lying in at the end of the episode, that is the goo that Delos used to make host. And Mm -hmm. Dolores now appears to have pretty much in Costco bulk amounts. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I thought maybe like, maybe that will like mix in with her blood and she'll come out some sort of like super Mave, even though she has a bunch of powers already and 
again, that's kind of the fun part about Westworld is they don't really have any bounds in terms of the story that they can just sure. like do whatever they want. And it seems they can kind of tie it in um, eventually. And I think that's one of the reasons why the show is so great. Also in the past seasons, that's also why the show can be not so great because it kind of gets confusing after a while. Um, so I had some questions about Maeve and then I had a question. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I, I think if you don't mind yeah. kind of my, injecting my thoughts into it, I think the death felt really untimely during the last episode because they also sort of broached this idea that she can control outside technology with her mind too, like this sort of EMP thing that she had. Um, and obviously her return is kind of validated in the teaser for next week's episode where we see that she'll um, likely be returning to the storyline. Um, but yeah, no maybe in this episode, but um, I think the other thing that people probably had questions about is what is going to happen with William, the man in black, or now the man in white. <laughs> yeah, things did not go super great for William in that last episode. And mm-hmm. um, really this entire time in, in this season, he's kind of been you know, carted off to this mental health facility. He was just kind of not embarrassed, but he was shown publicly that he does have something wrong with him mentally. And that definitely takes a lot of his credibility away. And the whole idea of him hallucinating his daughter and potentially hallucinating Dolores. um, The question that I have is, you know, is this is this the end of William? Is this all that we're going to see? Are we just going to see him kind of just thrown and locked away in this mental health facility just as more of like maybe a fanfare? Um, mm-hmm. Because the way this story is going with Dolores, I don't really think that the man in black or William is necessary. Um, sure. I don't, like I said, I, I doubt that they're just going to leave him there and literally just lock him away and throw away the key um, because right. you, the show just can't leave, you know, Ed Harris in an asylum while all this other stuff is playing out in the world. Sure. Yeah. And I think some of the plot elements that come to light in the fifth episode genre um, kind of give you, they set the stage for what a return for the man in black could potentially look like mm-hmm. um, specifically around some of the information we learned about Ciroc and his background um so i i think we'll definitely see those storylines come back into play next week mm-hmm. um but i think 304 uh, or 305 excuse me um was a really interesting entrant to this anthology it was like super stylistic um once again uh ramen jawadi really killed it with the music um and with some of the covers um the orchestrated covers of popular like pop and rock songs um and i think it was just a really vis- like you said a visual treat this time around did you think that going into this episode we would see dolores's kind of plan come into action so quickly yeah great question because i from what i've just been able to gather from other people who have watched the show um, and of course, Reddit always has a lot to say on the latest developments in Westworld. Um, it seems like the reveal of Dolores's plan was almost like finale-like content. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I think it really makes you wonder, like, what does the, do the last three episodes of the season have in store? And what could possibly be bigger than Dolores' plan for basically disrupting the loops of society? Right. You know? Um, and there, there are some theories floating out there about, you know, what might propel the plot line forward. Um, but, yeah, I mean, besides the visual elements of this episode the story itself there was a lot to digest i mean just typing up the recap yeah it was definitely lengthier than you know the two or three really tight character plot lines from the fourth episode um so Mm -hmm. and uh, by the end of the episode of this episode the lines are are pretty much drawn in the sand we have mm -hmm. you know team human and team host and we know what each side wants and you know, if not necessarily how they plan on getting it. Um, and there's definitely a lot to dig into with, with genre. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess we'll just get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So we basically, <laughs> I don't recall really other seasons having a string of cold, cold opens like we've seen in this one, but every episode's had a cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this cold open with Sirak essentially narrating his past while addressing seemingly the Rehoboam, possibly Dolores. And he kind of alludes to the events in Paris and the rest of humanity as this catalyst for him and his brother to create a god, essentially. He admits that there are things that he couldn't really predict, um, outliers of a sort. And we then see Ciroc speaking with the Brazilian president, and it becomes clear that he's been using Rehoboam to basically like fix elections. And of course, besides dictating the outcomes of individual lives, generally controlling politics. Um, and when people don't do as they're told, he holds hypothetical outcomes predicted by the Rehoboam over their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we saw, like you said, the episode begins with young Sirak and his brother witnessing. And young Sirak is very excellently casted too. Oh yeah. <laughs> he looks yeah. exactly like him. Yeah, they're the witnessing, of course, this leveling of Paris with the war that happened, and everyone they knew and loved was gone. And he even mm-hmm. he he quotes saying, "Humankind was hurtling toward extinction." Um, so, and then they kind of talk about whether God existed or God doesn't exist, and um, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting to see kind of how the mindset of people kind of were are working around, I guess, in this time where. It seems like Sirak, to me, okay, Sirak may be the villain of this season, you know, yeah. corrupted by this, like, I guess, hubris, I guess you could say. But sure. his, his starting point was the basic survival of, you know, the human species. And right. for him to go from where he was to where he is, I think, is is a pretty idealistic goal if, if there ever was one. Yeah, I mean, it just should, I mean the old adage is that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Um, you sort of see him start with these intentions to really like save humanity. Um, and throughout the episode, you see, he doesn't really like play by the rules. Um, and the system that he created for basically utopia has become more of like a tool for him to sort of dictate how things go. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got the same sense. Yeah. yeah um, for sure. We also see, I think it's interesting in this episode, the first instance of Sirak essentially wearing the sort of solar eclipse looking 
device that is like the readout of the Rehoboam on his wrist mm-hmm. um, as sort of like a wristwatch. Um, and at first I was kind of wondering like to what end does he have this on his wrist? And it, I guess as the episode plays out, it's clear that it's more like a barometer for the level of order or chaos that might be take going on in the world. Yeah, it's like his his extension, his Apple Watch to the Rohoboam. Um, it seemed like they kind of communicate in that same way. Um, right. And I also thought, just my overly critical mind, that the, the conversation between Ciroc and the Brazilian president, Ciroc mm-hmm. is essentially speaking like flawless Portuguese. Um, and I re- didn't realize until looking into it that Vincent Castle or Cassell actually lived in Brazil for a few years um, and that he's like almost like a native Portuguese speaker. So I thought that was oh, really nice. interesting. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize until halfway through their conversation that the president had a translator like in his mm-hmm. ear, just some new right. technology, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So after the opening credits, we uh, we then see a new view of the Rehoboam with these sort of repeating concentric circles, and we see that's kind of the dynamic for accessing a file. Um, and in this file, we sort of see a flashback of a memory of Sirax and his brother basically starting the relationship with Leon Dempsey Sr. because they needed um, the data that Insights collected about the human race uh, to help kind of boost the Rehoboam's predictive capabilities. Um, after several iterations, Dempsey then threatens to pull the plug and Sirach's brother very casually suggests that they kill him. <laughs> uh, and then in the modern day, we see that Sirach becomes aware of the showdown at this sort of a hooker charity function that Liam Dempsey and the others were at and orders Dolores caught. Yeah. So his relationship with his brother has always kind of been odd. Um, Mm-hmm. and we see how that kind of goes throughout the episode and um yeah Liam Dempsey like he said he or Liam Dempsey senior only saw you know the money he could make and that they kind of just used him as just like a funding machine to get this thing right. up and running and um i didn't really have a whole lot to go off of with this scene but i think it kind of again it sets up a lot of backstory for Ciroc and kind of how things came to be as they are today. Yeah. They definitely took a more like idealistic view where Dempsey was more in it for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you start to see sort of the differences between Ciroc and his brother, his brother may be a bit more cynical, um, maybe not as easily able to come to grips with the Rehoboam and its power. Um, and we kind of see how that plays, like you said, down the line. And we see that, of course, when we have them as children, where mm-hmm. Sirach says, you know, how could God do this? And then his brother just, oh, there is no God. So you kind of see right. that kind of <laughs> starting off, even from an early age, how their minds kind of operate. Sure. Sure. So after that, I catch up with Sirach. We then catch up with Dolores, Caleb, and Liam. Dolores needs Liam's access to Rehoboam to understand her enemies past, present, and future. Liam sees Caleb's file and is alarmed by something that he sees to the point where he injects Caleb with the party drug that he was given at the party, which is called genre, and he tries to flee. Um, 
we then start to see the effects that the truck is taking while they're making their way across town. Um, and they lose Ciroc's men in a high-speed explosive car chase. Thanks to some help from Marshawn Lynch and Lena Waithe. <laughs> yeah, so this episode pretty much has two main tracks. One tells the story of Ciroc and Liam Dempsey Sr. as they, you know, they mm-hmm. build this AI. Um, and the other follows Dolores, Caleb, and of course Dempsey Jr. as they pretty much take action to dismantle this AI that was built. And you kind of see Ciroc as being the key player across both subplots because not only he has a strong interest in keeping anyone else from accessing the, the Rohoboam layers, I guess he wants to be the only one, um, to have access to it, which I guess he's fairly accused of (coughs) enslaving other humans with that creation. But, um, I think the main part, which again, Dolores is trying to fight against is, the editing out of the behaviors of those anomalies who threaten the Rehoboam machine. Sure. But I'm proud to see, yeah. and I'm happy to see Marshawn Lynch back. Yeah, no, he, he surprisingly had more lines than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like how they keep sunglasses over his eyes so that I, I feel like a big part of acting is acting with your eyes. And I'm sure that's probably one of the things that, sports star probably isn't the best at um but yeah it was cool to see them kind of jump back in the action and help caleb and dolores escape um i think this this scene also really introduced the device that made this episode so much fun to watch which was this party drug genre that jesse or not jesse (laughs) caleb takes um continuing aaron paul's kind of tradition of being affected by drugs in the shows that he's Mm -hmm. uh, in right um but it was cool how like it starts out with that sort of like neo-noir visual elements of black and white and the kind of the music that played to it as well and then you sort of like transition to an action movie and then a love story um and what was really cool is they kind of break it down in the inside the episode afterwards in that it's not like an actual drug it's more like a license to increase certain levels of chemicals in your brain which i think is pretty crazy hmm yeah and uh kind of works a little bit like that experimental gum in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> only with, with movies instead of instead of meals. Um, so yeah, like you said, it kind of just allowed him to see the world through these new filters. Um, mm-hmm. And I like I really enjoyed the black and white noir um, type feel. I was It was interesting to see that kind of play out at first. I was like, what is happening? Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> what am I watching? The first thing I was surprised at was that he was even able to walk with whatever, you know, he gave him was like a party drug and then just be able to function normally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it definitely accentuated the more like suspenseful aspects of that scene. Yeah. Um, and it was like as the scene changed, so did the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to say, I don't know about you, but the practical effects in the car chase didn't really do it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole time that they were f- like getting chased by those goons, it seemed like Dolores was very like standoffish. Like she was like, "Here's these guns I have. Here's these weapons. Um, Caleb, go ahead and stand up and shoot all the people shooting ass." Like I don't know. Yeah, and then Caleb still just like without question blindly obeys everything she asks of him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, but I just thought like the lack of other pedestrians and cars and some of the shots used in the chase and just the general like lack of speed made the chase not all that exciting. Yeah, I didn't. I did um, kind of enjoy. I think the show adds a little bit of symbolism to um, that whole spectacle, I guess, by pretty much like questioning how this driverless vehicle might figure you know, like into a car chase sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in this future citizens have pretty much seceded control over their own destinations to these vehicles. Yeah. And, and of course, like they no doubt get escorted where they want to go to safely and efficiently, but the system, as we can see, can turn them from passenger to prisoner at any time. Um, and that's interesting technology i think yeah especially with the bulletproof bulletproof glass that apparently comes on ubers of the future but not on the the roofs yeah the like plexiglass roof that she was able to just kick out right (laughs) Uh... um yeah so after the chase we uh see that with bernard in tow martin connell's accesses rehoboam's node at the inside office downloading sirach's file and then sending it to dolores in another of Dracerac's memory files, uh, we see that Dempsey Sr. became convinced when re- the Rehoboam predicted the stock market, which was one of its early tests, to validate it. And then we also see the effect of the quote-unquote outliers, one of whom was Sirach's brother, um, which essentially drove him mad. And I think this scene really injected... I think one of those plot lines that we might see the next three episodes really focus on really tightly... Mm-hmm. Um, we also see in another file that a look back at Dempsey Sr. where he's visiting a facility where Sir Rock is working on a number of patients, including his brother. Um, and we learn that he's essentially attempting to edit the outliers since the Rehoboam basically sends them off to war and doesn't let them participate in society. The saying effectively isn't trying to change them better than trying to kill them off. Yeah, that one him like editing people and you know, if they didn't fit the storyline or the narrative that he was trying to build, then he kind of just like shoved them away in this facility. Mm-hmm. And cause at first I was like, I mean, if you have this machine, so I was a big fan of the show person of interest and I get a lot of similarities between the show and that show based off of this machine was built. It can predict human behavior and we can use that to, you know, combat terrorist attacks or things that might happen in like our economy. Um, So for me, having some sort of machine that can predict those things is fine. It's just kind of where it comes into now we're editing people's selves and then putting them on a story that only benefits us and they really have no control. How, if you had any spec, because they are kind of vague about the extent of how they're editing these people. If you had any, I guess, predictions or guesses as to what that might imply, what would they be? Yeah. Um, it's an easy answer when, when it's robots are being edited. It's just code. It's just ones and zeros that we're changing around to make sure that they stay on this loop. But when it comes to humanity and to the human brain changing it would have to be i guess on almost like a molecular level 
being able to change these people's like I, I guess human code technically right. their DNA it's like some sort of futuristic lobotomy yeah and he's cleansing you know the world of of the mentally ill he states and the unstable just so that his predictive algorithm won't be in danger of falling apart and that sure. kind of I don't know I don't want to use the word Nazi but <laughs> this is <laughs> kind of like yeah. this is what you know Germany was doing in World War Two, cleansing the world of of impurities essentially sure like forcing the perfect race or ultimate race yeah and he and he explains that Rehoboam sends these outliers to high-risk sectors you know like war which is essentially just like a wood chipper I think he explains to eat them up and spit them out like Caleb mm-hmm. for instance and he, he even defends his position this might be later on I don't know if this is the same scene by saying that He's he's essentially helping them, or he defends his position by saying that helping them is better than killing them off. Um, but, I mean, are you really helping them if you're sending them to their death? You're essentially sure. just killing them. Well, I think that's what he was saying, was that typically the outliers, because it was a part that confused me too, and I think a lot of people that have been talking about it online was that they thought that his way of like editing them or cleaning them was sending them to war. He's trying to edit them so that he doesn't have to do that was my understanding. Oh, I got you. So instead of, so Rohoboam is sending the outliers to war where he's saying that he's actually trying to help them. Yeah. Instead of sending them to war. We don't know that his intent isn't more nefarious than he's letting on, you know? Hmm. Yeah. I just don't like when people use the word, cleansing right yeah (laughs) it definitely carries a stigma Mm -hmm. especially these days um yeah i do i do want to kind of back up to to so obviously connell's is like kind of hacking into the rehoboam for on dolores's behalf Mm -hmm. and he tells bernard this is how they keep them all in a loop um so just kind of acknowledging the motif that you identified early on in the episode um that kind of mirrors season one um but you know one we still we know that there's still one park in the Delos like amusement park system that hasn't been identified yet and i had seen some theories online that there's potentially the world that like Dolores and these guys are interacting with now could be like future world mm-hmm. do you feel like anything that's transpired in the show lends itself to that theory or do you think it's more just kind of the uh parallels whether do I think a future world exists within Westworld? Yes. Um, I think so. And I think that's what we're supposed to think, which always confuses me because I never want to believe things that the show wants me to believe. Um, but again, sure. it's like, it's getting too much into the, what, what the Delos, the former um, I guess his name was Delos. You know, you go all the way down, you go down, down, down. And this is kind of the same thing. Like we're in a simulation inside a simulation, inside another simulation. And <laughs> like, it's just like after a while, I don't think 
that holds the same weight as just Dolores escaped her world, her simulation. She's in the real world. She's trying to do her thing. She's starting this revolution. Right. Like, let's not add that she's actually thinks she's doing these things, but yeah, she's trapped again in another simulation. Yeah. I don't want to believe that's the case, but I'm like ready for the moment when the aspect ratio changes to the like letterbox simulation style. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just like kind of mentally preparing myself for that. Right. Um, so Dolores, Caleb, and the gang, they essentially escape into a subway station. Um, and Dolores advocates for showing people their insight profiles. Um, Liam Dempsey Jr. advocates against this, basically saying there's going to be a bunch of suicides and murders and people f- figure out what their paths in life are, you know, having been determined by them already. Um so Dolores makes Conwell release them and the whole world basically gets their uh, Rehoboam profiles and we see people's reactions on the train. Um, and then as they emerge from the train station, they see that the world has devolved into chaos with people essentially being freed from their loops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is a, an attempt on <laughs> Caleb and Dolores, which uh, Dolores promptly shuts down, but she gets shot in the chest like three times, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that um, puzzles Caleb, I would say. Yeah, there's definitely like a significant recording of his reaction there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the train scene was cool. Um, like you mentioned that they were pretty much just fighting over the ethics of Rehoboam's algorithm. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Caleb's story about the rat trap that they used to make overseas mm-hmm. where a bucket filled with water and then when the when filled with very little water the rats would die quickly but when filled with enough water to give them hope they would swim around for hours thinking they could actually get out of the bucket and i think the metaphor there is pretty clear where this world that's created by rehoboam gives everyone the the false hope of this upward mobility of of having a better life than the one that they currently are leading um sure but of course the algorithm knows full well which individuals will succeed and which would fail and it kind of needs the failures to experience i guess this false hope in order to continue to have people like working and pushing and and striving to become better even you know despite the fact that their social status will never change which is essentially just capitalism yeah did you find it odd at all that there wasn't like a single positive outcome for any of the people on the train. I did. I was thinking and I was like, why, why would they not show any sort of positives? It was all negatives. It was like, you're <laughs> yeah. going to kill yourself. Your brother's going to die. Your daughter's going to slit her wrists in the bathroom in eight years. Like it was the most depressing array of <laughs> like a predictive yeah. uh, algorithms results I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, I guess those are the questions that people, ask the most how they're going to die. I don't know where they're going to be, but you don't really want to know those answers. Right. Of course. But I I guess what I'm trying to like really get at is if Sirach was trying to basically find the perfect outcome for all of humanity, then how come seemingly everyone that we came across had this basically prediction of doom, uh, as like the result of their profile. Is that is it the false hope that he was intending to create for people, or was he genuinely trying to 
you know, create a perfect outcome or utopia and just failed. I think Sorak is trying to do what he thinks is best for the world, for humanity. Um, sure. And I think a lot of the times people that are in that sort of position that have that power, um, kind of get blinded by their own ambitions and mm-hmm. kind of what they think. So he, he thinks he's doing the world a favor, but I think as we saw on the train, it's doing actually quite the opposite. Um, you know, as we saw in the streets, it was just like, they're just like chaos. And, and Caleb even quotes that he would rather live in chaos than, in this in a world with false hope yeah exactly but it's just Mm -hmm. like you know everyone's saying like the promotion that they're never going to get the relationship that won't last (laughs) like the false hope is removed and it's just just truth out there and yeah and i think it ties really well as we mentioned off air um that kind of somber cover of space oddity that's playing in the background yeah so again really excellent um covers um but yeah i guess people finally get a chance to experience like real agency and people will react to it differently Mm -hmm. yeah um so we then get the return of Stubbs, who uh who meets up with bernard and connell's after trying to beat up connell's um was he hiding in a closet yeah i don't know (laughs) just like the, the physical humor with Stubbs really kills me. Oh, um, and just like the goofy way he pops up, mm-hmm. he's like, I forget what he's like, looking for me or something like that. <laughs> it's like, and no. just like tries to wail on him and gets his ass kicked again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great, great physical humor. Mm. Um, so Bernard and Stubbs flee on Connell's kind of request. Um, while, while Connell's is being intercepted by Sirach's assistant, who we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sirach questions Connell's remotely about who made the breach. Uh, Connell's reveals that it's him and blows himself up and Sirach's people as well. Del- yeah. Dolores and the gang uh, then realize they don't need Dempsey anymore, but before he goes, he rants about how people like them are the problem. Ash, Lena Way's character, shoots him, and Caleb tries to save him while having these sort of parallel flashbacks about him losing his friend. Yes, so going back to um, Stubbs and Connell's Stubbs. and mm-hmm. and um, old Connell's slash Dolores, I guess, and Bernard, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting, one, that Bernard and Stubbs kind of offer Connell's to come with them, you know, sure. that he they, they want him to leave and to save their own lives as Ciroc's people kind of move in and and Connell's says to Bernard that you're the only one we can't replace. So to me, it seems, you know, Bernard certainly still has a major role to play in Dolores's plan. I don't think we know exactly how he fits into it. Um, only that he's of course special and like, and he can't be copied. Yeah. I think it probably has to do with the fact that Bernard is somewhat human slash host. Mm hmm. Um, or I guess at least the closest in terms of consciousness. Yeah. You know, he was modeled after Arnold, um, you know, Ford's partner. Um, and maybe that's kind of where the show is 
escalating towards is some sort of um you know discovery of like the human host model maybe being used by Sirac or I guess Dolores um or it could be something that maybe Bernard some sort of knowledge that Bernard's retained that's valuable um but you're right it definitely suggests that Bernard has a larger role to play in the coming in the coming episodes and I also think that even from early on when we saw Charlotte which is actually Dolores um kind of getting out of whack we kind of see like the human side of these even though they're controlled by Dolores the human side's coming mm-hmm. out of them which to me when I was watching this scene with um Connell's in his office confronting the hologram of Serac, um, I really thought that that was the human side of Connell's kind of blowing himself up. I don't think that was what Dolores intended at all. I think after Connell's had that conversation with Bernard and Bernard was saying, do you realize like what she's asking you to do? I think that was kind of the human side of Connell's coming out. And he, and he agreed with Bernard that what Dolores was doing was wrong. And he, he himself blew himself up. It wasn't, Dolores that blew up herself. Yeah. I feel like this episode is really a lot about agency and the people's ability to make their own decisions and whether or not it's true agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're definitely onto something there. Um, but regardless, I think one thing you touched on is that we're starting to see a lot of doubt cast around Dolores, mm-hmm. um, whether that's by Bernard or by Liam. You know, Liam basically asks uh, Caleb if he, like, like if he knows really what's going on, like um, have you like figured out what she's asking you to do yet? Bernard kind of asked the same thing of Connell. So um, we'll see if those start to maybe fester in the next coming episodes. Right. And then like you said, we kind of shift back to the gang on the mm-hmm. beach. Um, I did realize um, afterwards after doing a quick um, little research that um, as they're walking along the beach, I guess this final genre it appears yeah. is horror and the score for um, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining yeah. was actually what was playing as they were kind of walking along the beach, which was really cool. Man. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And I definitely, I recognize that, that score from The Shining. Um, and it's just like, I don't think any other show that I've watched has used the score for, you know, the, like the, the setting in a scene or like a character quite as, secretively but also like tellingly as Westworld has um if I could just use one example from the previous episodes that I hadn't picked up on until I got on Reddit mm-hmm. um before the reveal that Dolores had essentially cloned herself four times uh at the introductions of Connell and Charlotte Hale um and the like samurai version of Dolores uh they used essentially Dolores's score Hmm. in the background. Um, So if you were kind of like putting those two together and realizing that they were using like Dolores's theme uh, at the emergence of each of those characters, then you sort of had a clue that that was going to be the reveal. Um, So yeah, the, the, the use of the music was really, really cool. Yeah. And when they were on the beach, we kind of see Dempsey, you know, he, he's, begging to be let go that he has nothing left since mm-hmm. they took all of his money essentially. But um, he then talks to Caleb and tells Caleb that, you know, he is the worst of them and 
that's something that I'm sure we'll find out more about. And you kind of see Caleb starting to remember more of his past, but he can't really figure out the full thing. And then um, we get like glimpses of a kidnapping of some sort. Um, it's like a black site. I don't know if it was like him. I don't know if he was in the military. We know that. I don't know if it was like some sort of special op that maybe he was on. We don't really find out just yet. And then of course we see his flashback interrupted by um, Ash shooting Dempsey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Saying that she, she guesses she does have a choice and then walks away. Yeah. And you know, you sort of see Liam's strong reaction to Caleb's file at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's obviously something that like he understands that we don't. Um, and Caleb also obviously reacts so strongly to what Liam says to him. And we see these flashbacks about, like you said, the kidnapping, we get the view of the like target, I guess. So yeah. I wonder if that character will come into play, but, um, that along with some of the, the developments we're about to get into in the recap made me think that there's something that is going to be a pretty big reveal with Caleb. Yeah. Um, because in Dempsey's dying words, he says, you did it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he dies before we actually figure out what he meant or why those words kind of resonated with Caleb. But it definitely seemed like Dolores seems to have some idea of what he meant. Yeah. Uh, so in the final sequence, we see that in another Serox files or memories, we see Dempsey senior threatening to go public about Serox, basically trying to edit people's lives and Serox kills him pretty brutally, even though the Rehoboam essentially predicted that he wouldn't let him walk away or that he would let him walk away. Um, Dolores watching these files then meets remotely with Serox, letting him know that she's going to free everyone. Uh, Caleb mm-hmm. receives a mysterious package, then expresses his doubts about letting everyone know their fate to Dolores. Um, and yeah, this I think is also something that like sort of casts a lot of doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see Caleb's reaction to Dolores getting shot. He's kind of puzzled. Um, and he says, I can't remember exactly what he says to Dolores in the last scene here. Oh, or he's, um, he mentions, um, well, so yeah, Caleb tells Dolores that maybe people shouldn't know their own mm-hmm. fate. And then she says, um, he wanted to know, you know, why shouldn't they? And he says, maybe I'm not like other people. Yes. And she replies, exactly. neither am I. Yeah. So there was something a little odd about that. Um, but yeah, I think this scene, especially the one of Sirach essentially killing Dempsey, even though the Rehoboam predicted that he wouldn't, basically establishes even further that Sirach is kind of the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows that he's like not willing to play by the rules that he set up to try to create this utopia and that he's like really willing to do whatever he can. To, to what end, though? Because he says that if he lets Dempsey go that it would mean human extinction. Right. Uh, but that that's what the Rehoboam predicted. Um, so is he really trying to save humanity or is it something that he's trying to do for himself? Yeah. He, he does say that he looked into every scenario and pretty much they all, like you said, led to this extinction. And, and that's, I think why his brother wanted to kill Dempsey. Um, 
But Dempsey is, you know, he mentions that he looked in the future as well and knows that Sorak won't stop him. And of course, we see that doesn't happen. Um, yeah, Rehoboam didn't predict the outcome of Sorak killing Dempsey, but Sorak made it so on his own, which does kind of go against his whole thinking that this machine will be better for the world, but he just kind of overrides it with his admin access and just kills Dempsey because right. he just, I don't know. He claims it's for the betterment of humanity, but I don't know. Yeah. So we, in the basically teaser for next season, we see a lot of things uh, and they kind of answer some of your questions. Like at the beginning, we see the return of the man in white uh, and kind of his experience in this facility that he's in. We see possibly the return to Westworld, it looked like, and even the return of Maeve in some capacity. So um, a lot in store for next season, or not next season, for next episode. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of questions still unanswered by this one. You know, what is there that's behind Caleb's story? Who was his friend? Was he real? Who was the target? What was the connection to Liam? Um, so there are a lot of questions. Yeah, so for me, I guess some final thoughts is that this episode, mm. it, it feels like two episodes worth of story kind of stuffed into one. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not quite sure it all gels um, the way it should. There's there's a lot going on, and, and not just from like a narrative standpoint, but also from a thematic one. And then you mm-hmm. add this genre twist, which, you know, is like, while funny, it feels kind of like another detour, kind of taking away from the more interesting character stuff that we're kind of asking about. Like even from the beginning of this episode, we're asking about Maeve, we're asking about William and we're getting just like this drug that kind of takes us on this ride. Um, right. Like again, it was, it was fine. And, and Westworld is usually, I think at its best, like when it can focus on one or two characters at a time. But in trying to tackle like Dolores's plan and Sirach's origin story and Caleb's past all at once, um, I don't think that this episode is all that fulfilling on a base character level. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is a lot. I, I felt like it it really did reveal a lot about the characters. Maybe that's not what you're saying. Well, I think um, that the show, I think would have benefited, I guess, from devoting an entire episode to Sirach and his backstory rather mm-hmm. than trying to have it work in tandem with like Dolores's present day plans. Well, I think they might have something to do with the other, mm-hmm. um, you know, Caleb's mysterious background. And the thing that I think is really the focal point that will probably be explored in the future episodes are, which are Sirach facilities where he's essentially editing humans. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we, we essentially see uh, the man in black in some sort of facility uh, in this upcoming episode. And it's hard not to maybe make the connection that it's possible that he is in one of these facilities, like where Sirach's brother has been kept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is a theory that's really popular on Reddit at the moment. Um, and you wonder like to what end, um, are they trying to edit William? Um, but at the same time, 
you know, Caleb's mysterious background could potentially also be explained by one of these facilities. Um, is just a possibility, I guess, because we really don't know all that much about Caleb's past. Um, and there are even some suspect moments about the flashbacks or some of the frames were that really flash really quickly this episode where you see Caleb being basically like treated somehow. Um, so I think they, they are almost in tandem on purpose that maybe Caleb has had some experience with one of these facilities and then obviously defining what the facilities are and why they're there was important as well. If that is how the story is going to play out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was kind of left, although I had like my minor issues with episode, I think that this one poses some pretty interesting and fascinating questions as it kind of relates to the the Rehoboam. Um, So I guess, so Serac, of course he's convinced that if he doesn't fix these outliers, humanity is doomed. Um, Mm. But he's also alluded previously talking with Maeve to the fact that he's been waiting for Dolores and her kind of break out of Westworld, kind of insinuating that Rehoboam must have predicted this particular development, I think. Um, And we remember that Charlotte Hale is the one who pitched Serac on stealing data from the park. So how does this rise of the host i guess kind of factor into his overall plan and and are are they outliers similar to the ones he's trying you know to edit out of humanity or or are they going to be kind of like an entirely different kind of stitch in rehoboam side yeah i mean they definitely seem to pose a threat to his idea of order um we talked about the wristwatch that he wore being the barometer for that Mm -hmm. and it's apparent at the end of the episode that the world is like devolving into chaos as the the black starts to outweigh the kind of white clean circle that he strives for mm-hmm. um so yeah they definitely inject a lot of chaos into his utopian uh idea yeah and he's still after that um that data from Dallas's secret project which we have no idea what that's about um mm-hmm. but I'm sure we'll find out why he wants that data in the coming weeks. Yeah. I think it like it might have to do with something in terms of like the like the higher profile and status of the guests. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe in the future data privacy is something that's reserved for the rich and famous whereas, you know, the masses don't really get the protection of their data. Um and so he's trying to make the robo home stronger by using this data. But maybe if he can't get to the rich and powerful Delos is the way that he injects that data into the robo bomb. Mm, yeah. You know? Huh? Yeah. Did you have any other kind of after the fact thoughts notes? Um, um no, not really. There were some Reddit theories that I'd read through that I kind of touched on here. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of you talked about the parallel between like the first season and this season, um, I think the train was a really interesting device that they used because, um, you know, in season one of Westworld, when the hosts are basically returning to the control center to, um, at this point, I don't even remember why they were going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were on a train as well. And it was basically the beginning of like this new story for them. Um, and it was interesting that they were on this subway train at the same time that they were sort of freeing 
uh, humanity from its loops from of the Rehoboam. So hmm. um, I think those those parallels were super strong. How would you feel about a uh, John Carpenter dystopian sci-fi action movie featuring Lena Waithe and Marshawn Lynch out there living their lives? <laughs> I'd love it. I do also <laughs> love Marshawn's like shirt that shows his emotions on his sleeve. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just watching Marshawn just mm-hmm. march around the set of the show must have been so much fun. So I'd be I'd be so down. Yeah, and I do think that um, the kind of shorter and more streamlined eight episode season has definitely made a world of difference in terms of the show's pace. I think there's far less like mm-hmm. philosophical spinning of the wheels almost in previous seasons where seasons one and two those those episodes were an hour 15 hour 10 minutes and then yeah. there was 10 of them where now we're getting and these like 50 densely minute. packed yes yes so i think in terms of pace this season they definitely figured out how to deliver the information to us where it's a little bit more digestible but that's going to pretty much wrap up our recap of season three episode five of westworld for this week Again, we'll be here same time, same place for season three, episode six next week. Um, we do have a few other episodes that are coming out um, this week. So if you haven't listened to those, we talk about Valorant. We talk about Call of Duty season three. We have an episode for the platform coming up. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, we will also release some of our thoughts on the new um, streaming service Quibi, whether we think it's a flop or just what we kind of need right now. Um, but stay tuned for those thoughts. And for now, we will talk at you next week.